You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We are season 13, episode 17. Uh, I'm John, I'm your host for this evening after my wee trip to Germany on our scouting mission. Um, pleased to announce we've got another one of our championship specials and we have everyone returning from the first one. So I'll introduce everyone even though they've been on before. So first of all, we've got Katie representing Airdrie. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Yourself? I am good, cheers. Um, we've also got Andy representing Dundee United. Hi, how are you doing? I'm feeling five star today. Five star, I feeling good. Well, that might be mentioned once or twice or five times. Um, we've got Adam representing Dunfermline. And John, thanks for having me back on. I no worries. Uh, Rob or Robert, whatever you want to call yourself, um, Morton. All right, Jay. I'm I'm. Been better than Morton. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Well, to be fair, on Saturday you got a good result with the match being postponed. You couldn't drop any points. Well, this is true. This is true. Um, representing Party Thistle, we've got Heather. Hi, thank you for having me back on. Um, not appreciating any comments about the number five. That's not in my vocabulary tonight. Oh, sorry. Uh, and last but not least, we've got Ali representing Wraith Rovers. How are you doing? Good evening. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, John. Uh, right, I put out a, f- a wee thing about questions earlier, so I may as well get the first question out of the road. It's kind of been alluded to already, right? Um, this was from Chris. If two trains are travelling at 50 miles per hour, one left Queen Street at 12, the other left Waverley at 12.05, at what point in the journey is the maximum cringe at losing with a hat trick? From your ex defender. <laughs> I sat on to Heather. <laughs> Can we just remember that you called him Jason Holt on the first place? I know. So, um, I'm glad you said that. I was getting absolute pelters from my, from my mates. I'd been on the week before you and Pat and Evan going, Oh, you've gone great. And the first thing my mate says afterwards, he's like, You've heard him twice as Jason Holt. So I won't be doing yeah. that to big Kevin yeah, again. So I think, I th- yeah, I think I win there. But also, I mean, I called him out on BBC Scotland and said that. I mean, he didn't score for us uh, in Dingwall for that penalty, so I'm really glad he can do it in a four in a at four nil at Fir Hill. It doesn't really mean anything, but uh, yeah, not salty at all, not petty. One of them was an absolute zinger, though. That yeah. one in the top corner. Where did he that was that? the one. Yeah, that, that was the one. That I mean, I'm standing up. behind it. Jamie said and got his finger to it. You think potentially could have done better, but yeah, I, I'll just abide at the office. And in fairness to Heather, I mean Heather, you were you were great in the radio. I thought on on Saturday when Adjo on, on Sports and and greatly the most optimistic person having just seen their team scudded five nothing ever, which I've got to say, fair play to you for that, um, which was great to hear. But in in all seriousness, you you did have a point in that five 0 sounds like an absolute battering, but you know, fifteen minutes into the second half, this had come out and gone for it. I like the way Dylan had gone for it. I'd said they're playing a really high line here, um, and ha- had Holt not scored that zinger or, or had you know Sneddon saved it. Um, you were well in the game at that point, and then it just seemed we got the goal straight after, and then it kind of all spiraled a bit of control. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking on the Thistle podcast there. We were just uh, on Draw, Loser, Draw, and we were saying that um, we've actually played worse this season and not been beaten so badly. But I think uh, 
conceding two goals so quickly, uh, I think that just killed us. But no, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's going to be season defining. Uh, I certainly think that um, there's plenty, there's plenty of football still to be played. It's a, a nice to be cliche there. This to start us off, but uh, no, I know I was almost it, before before Saturday. I was quite excited to come on here, thinking that we were doing quite well, and then thought, oh, here pride comes before the fall. So there we go. <laughs> well, I think Dundee United are. Yeah, I think Dundee United are just. They're just they just got a better squad than everyone else. They've got a bigger budget, they've got a better squad. They're going to win this championship unless there's there's a massive implosion. And I think the real scrap is going to be that that second, third and, and, and fourth place. And and it's interesting if you look at you look at apart from the, the top two, everyone else there seems to win or lose. There's very little draws going on at the moment. I think that's quite quite interesting to see how how the league pans out. Um, but but I do think that Dundee United will scud a few teams this season because they just got that extra bit of quality that that no other no other team in the league has. Um, yeah, and- any team that's got in the championship that's got Tony Watt and Lewis Moll up front is is going to blow teams away. Unfortunately. Yeah, although to be, I mean, I'm not that sure about what there has been a lot of effort in recent weeks. But for me, the key for us is really the back triangle. We've got a competent goalkeeper in Walton, and Goodwin said Holt and Gallagher are the, is the best defensive partnership in in the championship. Frankly, we wouldn't have been relegated last season if we had Holt and Gallagher as our defensive pairing in the Premiership. It's a very Gallagher was in the Scotland squad twelve months ago, and and Holt's obviously been absolutely flying since he was there. So it's a really good. Um, but, and, and Heather made the point that this will beat United back in July. The, the team was still gelling at that point, but that was the last game before Declan Gallagher came in. And for me, that he's been he, he's an absolute key signing. In fact, yeah. Ali, if you were at the Wraith game at Kirkcaldy, I thought it was yeah. a fantastic game just before that. Um, and I thought United, you know, Wraith were on top probably in the first half. United really came into it in the second half and, and were on top. And I thought going for a winner and Gallagher went off with 10 minutes to go. And all of a sudden, Wraith had a kind of three, four minute spell where I thought, hang on a second here, this, how are we keeping the yeah. ball at the net type thing? Yeah. So he he's absolutely massive for Dundee United at Gallagher. He is. He's going to be a he's going to be the standout in the whole league. He's definitely the best defender in the whole league. And Holt's good foil for him. It looks like alongside them. But Holt was a good defender at Park Thistle. I, I liked him there anyway. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a standout. And Declan Gallagher, by head and shoulders, is probably the best defender in the league. Worst head of hair in the league, though. Let's be real. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I don't usually comment on his hair actually. I don't usually look at that, but because <laughs> it's uh, I'm sitting here with my head grey hair everywhere, but yeah, I'll leave that to you, Heather. Um, Robbie is asked, Can Dundee United remain unbeaten all season, Andy? No, I mean, Jim Spence put this out, it's the laziest kind of throat going just because they've got a few they've gone through a quarter which they've done before when they were down we actually won nine consecutive games in the second quarter last time we were down um, I don't see that as realistic I, I actually when we went into the two tough away games I thought um, with Wraith and Partick I, and, and and they were I know five no aside it doesn't look that now but I actually felt I would take two points rather than three. I was kind of saying because I would like to keep just that unbeaten run going as long as we can. But I don't think it's realistic that, as I said last time we were on, I think to what, if you look historically, no side has ever not won the league with seventy with more than 72 points. So you need to be tracking at two points a week to be winning the league and, and preferably better. United are on 21 through the first quarter. So we're three ahead of that. So we've had a good quarter. 
Um, yeah. But I think it, if you look compared to her, the team that we've got, as Heather said, isn't a team of world beaters. We went out and got guys that were solid in the championship. And in some ways that makes it more satisfying because it's not, and, and look, I understand we've still got the biggest budget in the league by a mile. So, you know, I, that's almost got the sincerity of, you know, an old firm fan, you know, kind of saying, oh, isn't it really satisfying type thing? But I think it's satisfying in that it's a team that's kind of working much harder. Last year, we had a bunch of prima donnas, paid way too much money, silky footballers like Levitt and McGrath, but just didn't gel as a team for whatever reason. This season, they really are gelling as a team. Um, and I like the kind of kind of battling attitude of the team. And Goodwin, I think, is determined. He's, he's, in fact, he's taking the Challenge Cup seriously because I think he really wants to keep it unbeaten as long as possible. But over 36 games, I, I don't think it's in any way realistic that Dundee United will go unbeaten. But as, I'd like it to keep going as long as it possibly can so I can dig out some stats on, on that. But um, no, I, I, I don't see that as realistic. I like following your starts, to be fair, Andy. Um, the other one that you had come up with at the start of the season, Queen's Park had made a good start. You had come up with a statement that Dundee United finished 25 points ahead. Already, the difference is 10 points. Yeah, so. we were five behind when I said that as well. To be honest, I was just digging Rob out because we were going round and, and most people said United and it wasn't so much that he didn't say United, but he said Queen's Park. And I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know too much about him other than he had a 16-year-old in goals. And I know Donnarumma started when he was 16, but I had a hunch that this guy might not be Donnarumma that they had between the sticks type thing. And um, so it's kind of proven to be. He was ditched when he shipped five to air um, at Hamden. And yet he's only picked up a couple of points since. I just, the model of playing a lot of young kids and kind of, you know, guys on loan from kind of Rangers Celtic B, I didn't see it. They, they were creaking towards the end of last season and Dundee swept them away. So I didn't see Queen's Park being that steady. But yeah, I couldn't quite believe it. I think there was a few raised eyebrows when I said last time we'll finish 25 points ahead of him by the end of the season. But um, it is looking like that's going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, we, we played them at Hamden and I thought Queen's yeah. were massively overrated, soft all the way through. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't that impressed, even with their, their so-called photo football, I, I would say if you're going down that line, I would, I'd say Airdrie would be a far better example of that than than, than Queen's. I think they they, they lack some experience and, um, you know, they, there's a lot of responsibility on, on Dom Thomas. Now, Dom Thomas is a very good player on his day, but unfortunately he doesn't have his day that often. So when he's not on it, He's, he he he'll disappear in the match, and I think they don't have enough senior players to guide some of those players through. The goalkeeper, I actually think, has a real future. I, I think he will be a very good goalkeeper. Um, the sixteen-year-old, yeah, sixteen-year-old. No, the sixteen-year-old. I thought I can't remember his name. Apologies, but I thought at the game he was he had an impressive. He he, he clearly knew what he wanted his defence to do. He was communicating well with him. His distribution was okay, but he's sixteen years old, so. You know, they say a goalkeeper doesn't hit their prime till they're thirty. Well, he's got another fifteen years till he hits, hits his prime. So, I, I think that's one for the for, for for the future. But it's interesting the Queens because you know the Queens used to be this club. You know, it was kind of lauded as the amateur club, and they had this kind of great story and history. And I was at Hamden, and it was just a really depressing. And and Dunfermline took a good crowd through there. There's about a thousand Dunfermline fans that that day at the, at the game. Um, and I was like, well, there aren't many teams that are going to bring a thousand fans away fans to the stadium, and and it was a really bad atmosphere. And I said, like, I just don't want to come back here for 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 a league game. So I it's going to be, I, I don't know how they're going to rally their fan base and grow their fan base when when they're trying to operate out of a out of a Hamden Park when they've done such an awful job with with Little Hamden. So yeah, very disappointed with Queens Park. Actually, I was expecting more from them. Yeah, I was clearly expecting more. We. 
tipping them to win the league. But that's just one of my many predictions for your last show that has blown right up in my face. <laughs> Rob, I thought you were going to get drafted in when um, Morton went to Hamden a, a fortnight ago. Didn't happen. Some of the Morton players not get stuck in green. So I, apparently Jack Burns' car got washed away. Um, so he couldn't make it. He couldn't make it to the game, which, when I consider that the Cali game got called off at the weekend because of the weather, and then they made us play at Hamden, like when when Inverclyde was basically an island in a sea of water, <laughs> um, I thought it was a bit mad. I wonder if he's just going to the pub on a Friday, Jack. Baird. If someone's got a photo <laughs> of him in some pub in Greenock, and then he's woken up the next day, he's like, "I my car's washed away." <laughs> You're all right with predictions, Robert. Anyway, we'll know actually till mid-season if you want to change them, right? That's when we'll, we'll start asking you. See, you've got you've got time yet. Um, well, Cali and Wraith Rovers are kind of saving my blushes at the moment. I, I tipped Cali to not do very well, and I tipped Wraith to be top four. So, though I have to say, with our growth, though, like I think most of us did predict that they win, and then um, I wasn't at the game actually, but when they they beat us three 0 and it was I think a lot of Thistle fans. I mean, obviously we talked about the 5-0 loss that we just had, but I think the way that we played in the 3-0 loss to our growth was categorically awful. Like, a lot of people said it was probably the, one of the worst performances they've seen in their living history at Fair Hill. And, um, and, and, and uh, yeah, but I, like, no, uh, uh, well, the Arbroath one even more, but I think, um, I think they've obviously had a bit, a bit of a change in in fortune, or just or just the kind of it's unfortunately the Dick Campbell, um, you know, it's the finesse that he has that just the pull that that um that they all seem to love and fall for. But uh, I do, I think you're right. I think, but also Inverness have had a bit. Obviously, the new manager coming in. I think it will be interesting to see how that changes things. We had a really boring nil nil. Um, draw up with them a few weeks ago, and um, we'd obviously like they he had set them up in such a way to not concede, and which is obviously where they've been failing before. So it'll be interesting to see how they change in this next quarter. Imagine how worried you'd be if you were a defender and you conceded, and Duncan Ferguson had a go at you at half time. Oh, <laughs> wants that confidence. Well, we we played uh, we played Inverness in Billy Dodds's last game, and actually Inverness were better than I expected them to be. I thought they were just going to be, you know, a bit of a shambles and probably easy pickings. But Inverness is no are not our the team that we typically do well against. We had to beat them for twenty one years, but we managed to scrape a yeah a late goal. Jamie Gullen got his first of the season and rattled one home. But they were actually better organised than I thought they were going to be, and then. Subsequently, Billy Dodd's got his jotters and then in comes Duncan Ferguson. So I'd, they might get a rally. They might get a rally, but I, I don't know how good a coach Duncan Ferguson truly is. I mean, yeah, he's coached at some big clubs, but uh, the proof will be in the pudding on how he can do it with a small budget on, you know, meagre, you know, meagre facilities and stuff. That's the big question. When oh, big... At least he's not having to eat vegan puddings anymore. Well, yeah, at least he'll get a good feed, I would have thought. <laughs> when players start coaching at big clubs, they're surrounded by resources that they will never ever see at the likes of Cali Thistle. Um, and and this is where we will see a kind of real tender big Duncan's kind of metal and see what kind of coach he is. Yeah, no, I see him out doing a lot of sort of community based stuff and 
front of you know, the commercial side and things like that. But I wonder when that novelty will wear off, to be honest. Is it's nice and shiny at the moment, but will it last? I don't know. I it's don't great know. for the championship, though, because it's going to be box office either way. It's either gonna, they're either going to recover and they're going to go on a, a hell of a run, or it's going to be an absolute disaster. But either way, it's going to generate some interest in, in, in the league. And that, that, to me, is the... It's, it's, it's the exciting bit about it. He'll not be a popular league. at Stars Park when he comes down anyway, no after what happened to Jock McStay, but I'm <laughs> he wants to be bygones, be bygones, but I don't think that will happen. I'm looking forward to him and wee Doogie having a, a spat on the touchline. I think that has... That was what I I'm looking forward to him and Hutz. I'm actually missing the game on Saturday because it's my son's birthday and he's playing in his first cup semi-final. So we can't go up to Inverness on Saturday, but I'm raging because I thought I'm desperate to see him and Hutz on the touchline. I just think that'll be hilarious. <laughs> I also think that his first cinch Friday will be great. You know, like it will be an Ian McCall Doug meet kind of like uh kind of thing. He'll be looking to be the next the next meme or the next thing. But I, I do agree that I think that I mean, we we all look for a bit of personality in the in the championship. It's not just about. I mean, if we were watching the championship just for football, people would really question our our um, you know, I don't know, our mentality. Because let's be real, the football that we're watching every week is not the the highest of quality, but the the chat and off the pitch as well just makes it. Right, ELJ. Kids, they're doing pretty well here. And this was, aren't they? Reese McCabe is tipping them to win the league. And then oh, they well. drew on Friday against Queen's Park. I know, I know. That was um I only I was on holiday, so I only saw it on BBC. Um wasn't there, but I spoke to a few people and we were quite unlucky. I don't I can I, I missed the goal that we conceded. It was a bit of a goalkeeping error from what I believe, but um I am a lot better than I thought we were going to do. I must admit, quite impressed by the way that Reese has got the team set up. He's obviously wants to play from the back, and in terms of the goalkeeping errors, he's wanting he wants Josh to to play the ball from the back out to the defenders. And he's a young keeper; he's going to make mistakes, as we've seen at Dundee United. Their second goal was basically it was beating. Josh made the mistake and the, the striker just ran in and scored. And I think that's what happened in Friday night as well. I believe he tried to play the ball. He didn't make master and it was a couple of foot away from him and the striker just ran in and scored. But I'm quite impressed by the way we've been playing this season so far. Keep hope it keeps going. I'll take fourth anyway. They're very watchable. Irji are very, very watchable. They play good football, actually. No, no, what you typically have associated with Airdrie, but they're actually a really good football side. The goal he scored against Rafe was fantastic. Was not about thirty passes or something like that. You did. I the cuts I... opened and the left. We weren't at the races that day. I have to say, like we were not at the races, and Airdrie deserved the three points. I, I missed that game. I was working that game, but um, it's it's just hellish when you're at work and you're just getting Twitter updates because obviously you don't get the stream um in the UK. But I was. I was quite impressed, and then once I'd watched the highlights and stuff, I could see that the guys are—they are playing well. They're—he's—he's he's wanting to play football. He doesn't want to just punt it up the park, and we don't have the players to punt it up the park. We're not a tall team. I know we've got Todorov, but he's not—he's not a big physical striker. He's not a Tony Watt. He's not going to—he's not going to win a lot in there. So we don't have the players. We've got to play it through the middle. We've got to play it up the 
the channels and and he does and I'm what I'm proud and I'm pleased with is even if it's not going his way, he doesn't change it. He's not going to say, right, well, the fans are on my back, let's just punt it up the park. He's he's does stick to his game plan. And if it doesn't work, he comes right out at the end of the match and says, It's no work, so it's my fault. But the biggest he, problem he was it your... how long you can keep him for, considering the plaudits he's getting from everywhere. I know, I know. I had seen I've seen a few weeks ago, obviously, it was something like 25 to 1 to get the Rangers job, and I was like, right, oh. that's just crazy. That's just bonkers. Um, he's going, as long as he's getting it, he's never going to leave to go to a team to manage them solely because he still wants to play football, although he has been on the bench because he did take a bit of a, took a, bit of a knock a few weeks ago. But um, I, I hope we at least get to... I'd like to see another season out of him because I think this season's all about consolidating and I'd like to see if he can get another season in, under his belt, see what we can do next season. Um but uh, he seems to be attracting a lot of attention. I think if he's got a sense, if he's sensible enough, he will stay because you want to kind of get games under your belts as a manager and not move on too quickly and then you end up with a managerial merry-go-round. Um, Heather, did you want to say something? Sorry, before I came in there. Yeah, sorry. I was just, Katie, was it at the game against Thistle where he got injured? Yes. Yeah, that was right because I think it was one of those weird ones that was kind of it, it wasn't intentional, like it wasn't intentional. No. Just, it was the way he fell, but I... it was. Um, so my brother is um, a director at Thistle, and he was obviously in the box over yeah. in the far side. And we always like, no matter where he is, like Dundee United, wherever, like always try and find him in the crowd. And we like wave at each other across the stands. It's just a fun game we play. And it just happened to be that when he fell and my, my brother and I are like waving at each other and it looked like Andrew from the director's box was like celebrating him oh. being injured. But it, it, I just want to clarify, it really wasn't. It was just the excitement of seeing each other in a, in a different stand. But I thought, I mean, I think, um, I think I said like, you know, that game, we were poor, but I thought Airdrie had a lot, um, some uh, some nice attacking football going forward, and um, and I think it's, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if you would have, I probably hoped for them to be where they are, but I don't know if you would have oh. expected it, and it is good to see, um, you know, different teams up there and it all being quite exciting, and that's the nicest thing I've ever said about Airdrie. But I think it's because I like you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. No, I did. I, I was obviously hoped it would be up there, but I didn't expect it. I think the worst game we've played this season had to be enough part of growth. And I think I made my, that was, I had to drink a lot of wine that night. I mean, a lot of wine that night to numb the pain of that 4-0 defeat. But um, we just weren't at the races that day. That was one of these games that we just didn't even, I, just, I don't even know what happened. We could hardly string two passes together. I think pretty much everyone apart from Dundee United are having one of those random crazy results, so you're no, no alone there. Um, Adam, how do you feel looking at energy and the products they are getting when Dunfermline are coming up as well and they're obviously what, only two points behind by game in hand, going quietly about their business, would you say? Uh, well, I always take points over over game, game games in hand. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I, I think like I think Airdrie play good football, so you know, and and we played a lot with each other last last season in League One. So I think both teams know each other other really well. And and Reece McCabe's the next Parsman, so you know, I'm I'm happy to see him, you know, do well and, and what have you. In terms of the Fairman, I mean, depends how you look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty. You can say we're only three points off the playoffs. 
with a game in hand, or you can look at the fact that we've had two really bad performances. Not the results per se, but the performances. One against Partick, we were awful. And then on Saturday again, it was a really bad performance. Both games we deserve to lose, but I wouldn't say we lost because the other two teams were better footballing teams than us. We were just so bad on the day that every single player just wasn't at it. And that's the frustrating thing, I think, for Dunfermline fans at the moment, is that the past two games have been so poor. But then you, when you have five or six of your spine out, and I don't care what level of football you play at, whether it's Premier League or whether it's you know the Lowland League in Scotland, if your spine, if everyone on this call picked their, their top five players in their team and they were out for 68 weeks, every team would struggle. So I think there's, there's a little bit of uh, context to where we are. But big game on Saturday... If the team can come back for that, then it's a good it's a good opportunity for them to, to to go again. But overall, I'm 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 relatively content. Just a bit frustrated that it could be a lot better if we if we'd maybe had a couple of results go go our way. But it is what it is. I because the last time we were all on, it was prior to the Dunfermline Wraith Rovers game, and then here we are again, and that's the weekend game, isn't it? Yes, another it's another prior one. Yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be an interesting one. I mean, I think you know Rafe, fair play to to. To Ian Murray, I think he's done a, a, a great job alongside John Potter assembling a very good championship squad. I think they're they've got a lot of players who 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 are good at this level. Um, and I think they, they deserve the plaudits of, of what they've achieved. I think it'll be a good game on, on on Saturday. It's a derby game and it'll be a derby game that will probably mean a lot more to both sets of fans considering where each team is in the league and what happened at the beginning of the season as well. So I think there'll be a bit more bite. Um, to, to the match than maybe what there was uh, at, at the beginning part of the season. It's a shame that Rafe Rovers are charging £24 for uh, the privilege of going to Starks Park. Um, I think that will impact numbers uh, at the stadium, which is which is unfortunate, but I suppose each to their own in terms of deciding how much they charge for, for, for tickets. But, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday in the sense of it's an opportunity for the players to right some wrongs over the past, past couple of weeks. By yourself, Ali, how are you feeling with the start to the season? You must be pleased. Pleased. We, we are pleased. I mean, we're just going about our business. As we are being pretty quiet about it. To be honest, we're not shouting for the rooftops about how we're doing, I don't think. And manager's been pretty clear about that, certainly internally to the players. Um, yeah, we're probably exceeding expectations. I didn't see us as a top two team, but as we've said before, everybody beats everybody in this league. Um, truth is, we've probably not put a full 90 minutes together yet across the whole season there's been really good patches of play and, and games and then we've had lulls in certain parts of the game particularly after half time um, it seems to be a, a maybe a problem period for us we just kind of put that full 90 minutes together so we're winning games when we haven't been winning games in the past and that's testament to a better squad a player than we had previously I think a steeliness about us that we didn't have before so I'm uh, pretty pleased where we're at I mean 17 points after eight games. Glad we didn't have the Arbroath game on Saturday, given the conditions. Although you like going to a trip to, to Gayfield. I don't know what it would have been like on Saturday up there. So, um, yeah, optimistic. Second quarter will be key. We, we, In the past, we've started well in the first quarter and then we faded in the second and third quarters. Probably because we get a bit too predictable and teams know how to play against us. But I think we've got enough variety in our forward players, forward play in particular, to say that we might not be as easy to um, easy to play against in, in every game as we used to be. 
So that's a good thing for us. And things are going well off the park now as well, which helps. There's definitely a feel-good factor around Kirkcaldy and yeah, a lot of you know positivity around what the board direct, the new board directors are coming in, what they're saying. They're really transparent. There's a lot of um, um, sort of consultation kind of processes that start with the fans. Fans being front and centre with most of the decision making, which is really positive. You know, we get emails every week about we want to do this, or you know, we're thinking about doing this, or there's a discussion in some sort rather than a decision that's been imposed. So that's all really positive. They're definitely feeding off the back of that because they launched them um, Club 1883 this week, which is a members club. Again, it's going to have probably a decent uptake. So yeah, lots of positivity. I think they think they've um, they've done a lot of the good things. They came in, they had set high expectations, and I think they've met a lot of them so far. And a big, big home support as well. You're getting bigger numbers. It was getting much bigger numbers. United's biggest crowd for ten years in the league. And exactly, exactly. Three thousand six hundred Wraith fans there. I think so. Yeah, so our numbers are well up. A lot. What we're seeing now is a lot of kids and families coming through as well. So we needed that because if you'd analysed our support in the past, it would have been you know an older profile of fan that was coming, and that was starting to drop off. People are getting older. So yeah, it's good to see younger fans coming through, and uh, they've done a lot of good stuff to try and encourage younger fans to come through as well. So really positive on that. Robert, need to come to even more, and now I know from what I hear, unlucky injuries so far, and just a bad spell results. The the injury situation at Capello for the start of the season has been terrible. I d- I don't think we've played the same back four two games in a row this season. Um, despite bringing in two new right-backs, which I said was going to be a problem position the last time I was on. Yeah. Um, and Tyler French, and then we brought in the young boy for Rangers. Um, the, the boy for Rangers hasn't even played and got injured. <laughs> um, French got injured through it in Fernland, but fortunately it wasn't as bad as kind of first feared. Dara Connors out long-term. Um, him and Jack Beard, the Ruhr, uh, first choice centre back pairing, and the two of them have they played together all season. Um, they were the they were the solid base that our kind of really mean spirited defence was built on last year, um, and and we've struggled, we've really struggled with the defensive side of the game. Um, we've had a few injuries in midfield as well. Grant Gillespie's just coming back. I think I think the game against Kelty might have been his first start, although he'd featured in a couple of games. Um, before that uh, so that similar to what Adam was saying when, when the spine of your team uh, Big Oakley was out as well when the spine of your team's injured you, you're going to struggle especially when you've only got a squad of 18 players and, and two of them are 16 year olds for the academy Are you worried for yourselves this season given the small size of the squad and if you get long term injuries it's going to be you know difficult to put I'm more than I was at the start of the season <laughs> um, when I tipped us to finish top four. But I, <laughs> I still have faith in that squad and I, I still have faith in Doogie. I know there's been kind of rumblings amongst some of our support um, that they've maybe lost the connection with we Doogie that we had last year. Uh, but I, I've still got faith in him. I, I still think that he will get the best out of that squad. I'm I'm going to backtrack on top four, but I think we will finish comfortably away from the relegation place places. See, due to the injuries you've had, is he had to like um, adapt the way that they're playing. 
because obviously they were getting some praise in terms of the way they were playing before. I thought anything I seen Morton they were quite attractive, quite pleasing on the eye, but what's it been like this year? Still the same or a wee bit different? It's I think uh, he's, he's had to adapt to the way we were playing. Obviously, we Oakley been out for most of the first quarter. We Gillespie being out for most of the first quarter. Um, he had to change the way we were playing. And and we've probably been a bit more direct than we were last year. Um, which weirdly seems to be benefiting Robbie Muirhead, who isn't he a traditional big kind of up-and-at-him centre-forward, but he's, he's scoring a fair few goals this season um, but I, I, I'd prefer to see him playing with the two wingers I'd prefer to I'd prefer, when we played against Kelty in the Challenge Cup there um, the first half we we played with a really flat midfield um, and, and Kelty bossed the first half when he changed it brought on the two wingers at half time we blew Kelty away in the first 20 minutes of the, first, of the second half I found when we played you at Capolo, um, I thought Kotongo um, played played really well in that game. And I mean, one of our players ended up getting sent off in that game, and purely from his tactics and the way and the way that he played. And obviously, Robbie Muirhead scored a fantastic uh, free kick that day, and um, and it just seemed like I guess a little bit like what happened to us at Dundee United for Dundee United on on Saturday. It was the we scored two goals so quickly and it just changed the whole the the whole outlook of the game. And because when I look back on that game against Morton, I think Morton played really well for quite a lot of it. It was just the fact that we had um we just had Brian Graham in the right place at the right time. Um but I didn't I've seen worse teams in the championship this season and I I would definitely say that that Morton have got quite a lot of, I, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, Robbie Muirhead and stuff like they, there's certainly people in there that can change games and win games. I think it's just been a, a maybe just a, a, a topsy-turvy start. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think we had a really small squad last year and we were really lucky. We went through the whole season with no kind of real serious injuries. Um, and then at the start of this season, we've just been... We've been hammered with injuries. Um, we're really missing Jai. Jai is is that we something different that he he kind of really gets at defences, um, and he's still got that pace, and and we're missing him. Uh, it'll be it'll be good having Big Oakley back. It'll be good having Grant Gillespie back. Where midfield can hopefully get kind of settled again, um, but. We we Dara Connor out. Tyler French is now playing at, at centre half instead of right back, and we're having to play Ian Wilson as right back now. Um, and he, to be fair to him, against Queens Park and against Kelty, he, he looked pretty solid as a right back. But I don't think he's a season long solution. Yeah. Do, you, do, you the, um, do you think the criticism or Doug Emery's justified, or is it that the band's been fickle as usual? Morton fans are famously fickle. Um, we we are a bunch of money bastards, <laughs> and I think that Doogie can rub people up the wrong way. He's very stubborn. He, he's very stubborn, and he believes in himself, which is 
probably one of the reasons that, that Morton fans took to him last year. He, he, he stuck to his guns and he believed in himself. Um, which, when things are going great, the fans think it's amazing. When things are only going so well and the fans are calling for change, I, I can understand why some fans have got a bit upset with him. I, I, I said in the last one that big Kirk Broadfoot looked like he was strolling it um, the first couple of games. He's really struggled. He's he's really struggled. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't have the pace to play at this level. No, as fit, as fit as a guy as he is, yeah. there's no doubt his general fitness is really good. As a step up, hundred oh, um, to try and, and play I, with this guys that are professional at this level. I think he was brought in to kind of fulfil the same role that uh, Effie Ambrose fulfilled last year. He would offer defensive cover. He would be an experienced voice to coach the other two kind of younger centre halves. Um, and unfortunately, due to the situation, he, he's been thrown in. Um, a lot of fans are kind of like, right, Dougie, we need to get, we need to stop playing him. <laughs> and I can, I, I can, I get it. I, I do understand that. Um, and I'm kind of scared that Doogie's going to be like, no, I know better, and keep trying to play him. I uh, know how that one usually ends, eh? Yeah. <laughs> End up egg in your face. <laughs> or, or you're out of job. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I need to ask, Ollie, uh, in terms of any players that have surprised you this season so far for any of your clubs, like where, whether it be positively or negatively, I'd said in the last podcast it was Callum Smith for me and he still shows to be a really good player. Um, Callum Kiverdry. Um thought he was going to be a bit, a bit of a squad player, come off the bench, that kind of, you know, last 20 minutes kind of player. But no, he's commanded a place most games. Uh, chipped in with a few goals, um, slotted in, really nice team player, got a lot about him. So he's been a really, yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise for us, I think. It's still a sore loss to me. And I was just bringing it up That's... just to see what you'd say, Katie. That was all I was saying it for. So I still still <laughs> that one. Uh, he's done really well. And I would mention Dylan Easton as well, who's had a seven... He's getting a bit of attention now, Dylan Easton. He was good last season, but he's getting a lot more attention this season. They seem to rile the United fans for some it's reason. The, it's the, the space that Callum Smith makes for him, though. I said it when they played together with us. Callum Smith never got the plaudits that he deserved. He created probably 60 or 70% of Dylan Easton's goals because he created so much space. His work rate is phenomenal up and down that park. And people just see, oh, he's supposed to be a striker. He's not scoring a barrel load of goals, but he creates so much and takes. he draws defenders away from the other strikers. And I just don't think he got enough praise whenever he played with Dylan Easton. And as, as soon as he went to Wraith, I said, that's it. That pairing's going to be, that'll, that's that's just going to be dynamite again. because well, just been really good. Right. Really they, they just seem to know where each other are. It's like they just—it's like an instinctive thing with the two of them. They're just—I'm uh, so jealous. I—I I do feel them. Um, I do feel we've got an abundance of riches up front actually at the moment. We have Lewis Vaughan in there as well, and Sam Stanton's been terrific most of the season. So I do feel pretty blessed at the moment compared to some of the drops I've had in the past. Yeah, I think that. 
we've got I was just gonna say with Katie, um Ben Stanway's really had a good a good start when we've given him a chance. And um he he really struggled in the R Broth game. And I think since that hasn't been back in, but you know, to be so young and um to really be making a name for yourself, um, you know, he's he's doing really well and um, and it's just great to see our young players, some of our, uh, th- at least three of our um, youth academy players are either in the starting team or at least in the in the in the squads, and I think that's a that's always a, a great thing to see. But I think for for Thistle, really, as much as it's great that some of our new players have done well, you know, both Kerr McEnroy and Scott Robinson look like they've got something you know good going for them. I think for us, it's. Uh, the Furhill Messi, Stevie Lawless is, and it is absolutely fantastic. Just the way that he can control a ball, create something out of nowhere, and the way that he uses his height. I mean, that guy, he's so small, but um, small but mighty. And um, he, you know, my, my, my friend asked me recently what age he was. He said, I feel like he's been 33 for ages. And I Googled it, he's 32. So, um, but like he's he's been he's been really he's been really great for us and so important. So yeah, Stevie Lawless for me. Anyone up to the United, Andy? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess the new signings have probably done better than I expected. In the same way that um, Rob and Adam were talking about injuries having been a real problem, United have actually probably been a bit fortunate. We have had a few kind of bumps and in injuries, but it's generally been guys out for a week or two who've been able to manage them through the situation. Um, which has been great and a big part of why I think we've been going so well is that generally there's maybe been one out and then that's it and we were full strength uh, against Thistle on Saturday, Declan Glass to make the squad but he wouldn't make my first 11 anyway. Um, for United it's probably Scott McMahon, the left back who last season seemed to regularly be at fault and really looked out his depth as we as we went down and was and was really poor as we were letting in, in goals. Um, I had a little stat about him. He was he was coming up for pretty much I think the, the most amount of games for United without a goal. He's had two in the last three weeks now. He, he'd kind of threatened to hit the post yard growth, and he's he's been really good going forward. I don't know if that's just the, the difference in the championship with United on the front foot. He's had the chance to go forward, and he, he's looked good, but he's definitely improved from you know one of the guys that really brought us down and was poor last season. Having been steady enough when he was at Hamilton and, and when he first came to United, he's been one of United's best players, which is which has been great and. Um, you know, it's it's because uh, Grimshaw on the other side in from Morton has kind of gone backwards a wee bit. Rob actually the last couple of weeks, he Liam Grimshaw's kind of he started. I thought, yeah, he looks okay, but he we definitely are weaker down right, whereas McMahon down left is definitely where United's attacking plays coming from. Well, what about yourself, Adam? Anyone that's family supplies you that season? Um, well, we've had a relatively consistent squad. I mean, I'd say that two that have maybe stood out for me that have been really good. One. And I mentioned him in the in the preview show, but he's even better than I thought it was going to be, which is Ben Summers, who's on loan from Celtic. I think he's he's going to be a real talent in in, in the future. So I think he's he's doing well. But the one that really stands out, I think, is for me is, is Lewis McCann. Um, came through the youth system. Uh, he's a young student. I think he's in twenty twenty one. Scored. He's he's a big boy. He's physical. He's strong. I think yeah. he can play at a much higher level than than what he is. He's already halfway to what his total league goals was last season already. He scored an absolutely stupendous goal against Queen's at, at Hamden uh, earlier in the year as well, um, which was great. So for me, he's really kind of upped his game. Um, he's been a lot more consistent. He's a handful. He's fast. He's direct. 
He scored a great goal against Wraith earlier in the, in, in, in the season. And for me, he's really kind of stepped up and he's still quite young. He's just signed an extension with the club. I think he'll be a Kevin Nisbet-style player for us where he'll move on for a fee, but then we will we'll get a nice sell-on clause. I could see him going down to top end of League One in England or bottom end of the Championship and doing and doing quite well. And uh, he's got that physique that you need to to play it to play at that level. So yeah, for me, Lewis McCann so far is is the one that's really kind of most improved, but also really stepped up his game, which is great to see. Very nice one. We'll be ourselves, Katie Eldre. Um, for me this season, Dean McMaster. I think he, he he played last season and he was good, but I think the step up he's made this season, especially when Reese McCabe's been out, he's kind of just slotted right into that central midfield role and he just commands the midfield for such a young guy. I mean, I think he's 19, maybe maybe 20 now. Um, he's he's not a big guy, but he he's he just he, he's got something about him. He just he does command the midfield. He's quite calm. He'll take the ball well. Part for Friday when the we didn't quite get to the, the pass out from the Josh Ray, but I uh, for me he's him and Murray Aitken, who's on loan from Hibs at the start okay. of the season he didn't really start too well well he didn't start an awful lot of games but the last few games he's he's got a start and he he looks as if he's going to be something special as well he's only he's only I think he's eighteen um they they for me are my standouts so far right okay. Robert, anyone from Morton so far that surprised you? I, I think Robbie Crawford adding goals to his game has came as a welcome surprise. Um, he, he, he was tremendous in midfield for us last year, but he's he's scored, I think it's six. He's scored already this season. Um, and Robbie Muirhead seems to have added a wee bit more his game as well. He seems to be a wee bit more predatory. He's, he's scored a couple of t- tap-ins rather than the, the traditional 30-yard free kicks or world-class goals that he normally scores. Um, so I long may that continue. Because um, I think I said in the last podcast that kind of Robbie only scores maybe 10 to 12 a season. He's, he's sitting on eight already, including his cup goals. So hopefully... Hopefully that continues. I just need some more goals from elsewhere because I think is it your head and Crawford have scored seven out of your eight goals. So, Aye. Goals from elsewhere. Um, Josh has asked, "What's your favourite away away day all been so far?" I know there's not been many, but he's been to many away games. Heather, sorry to dig. I always like this away, and it didn't really get much better on Saturday. That was quite enjoyable on Saturday. Um, Did you put I'm... some guns beforehand? I did, yeah, I did actually go into months before. One of your pals, Gareth, gave me a recommendation for it. So I went in there. I'd been in it before. So I had a couple of, I'd been out for a few drinks night before. And uh, my my family were actually caught up in breaking. They were fine. But it meant I got the chance to go for a couple of pints before the football without having to justify why I was going away. Because the kids weren't around. So it was absolutely, it was a great kind of day <laughs> out Saturday. So I enjoyed that. A couple of beers. Uh, yeah, 5-0 win and then home for a takeaway and stuff. So yeah, no, a, a good day out on Saturday. Enjoyed that. Um so yeah, 5-0 doesn't really... United's away form in general has been really good. In fact, 
not that I would say the home form has been bad, but we've taken we've dropped points to Morton and Dunfermline. Although it was probably unfair to say we dropped points to Dunfermline because it was a 95th minute equaliser. So we argue we gained a point there, but we, we definitely dropped two to, to Morton. That was one of Robbie Muirhead's tappings that we gifted to Morton that day. It's probably about the only foot wrong that Gallagher and the goalkeeper have put. They had a complete cock up there, but you know, 5 0 at Partick. 4-0 at Arbroath, 3-0 at Ayr, um, and, and 1-0 at Inverness when you're down to 10 men last minute. Pretty satisfying as well. So United have been good on the road, which is probably why we're, you know, where where we are at the moment. But um, yeah, I've, I've always loved Fairhill. I always think Fairhill is genuinely one of the top five away days in Scotland anyway. And, um, and yeah, when you get five as well, that always helps. So You're saying you're a takeaway at night. Does that mean you abstain from the salt and chilli chicken pies? So they sold out. So that was it. Yeah, that was as, as okay. I said. And the, yeah, they they'd sold out. So that was an absolute disaster. I didn't go before because I went to Munns before the game for a couple of pints. Meant the queue was too long at the start of the game. So I was like, I don't want to miss the start of the game. So went at half time, and they were oh, yeah they were out of the salt and chili, which was a shame. No, no kebab pie either. So I didn't get the kebab pie at, at Wraith either. Been at start party. They've been advertising them. Yeah, you've they missed it. Really good. And they're all, they obviously aren't used to big away supports, Ali, because they basically said you could sit anywhere at Rave. So I don't know if you oh, noticed, right. the United end was sold out behind the goals, but there was no one at the edge of the stand. Instead, everyone was just standing up the steps in the middle the whole way through the game. So it was... Uh, yeah. Is that because the roof was leaking, maybe? The side, no, maybe. I, I think it was just because folk, you get a better view <laughs> right in the middle, right? So it was um, yeah, it was quite funny. Everyone was standing. It was a great atmosphere. I, was like, I really enjoyed that that game, but sadly no kebab pie there either. So mm. my only pie away from home has actually been Somerset, so... You'll get a couple of Capolo. Right, well, I'll keep an eye out for that, Rob. I'll, I'll make sure that we're, we're due you away this quarter, so I'll tick that one off and get my kebab pie there. Well, hey, Rob, have you sampled the pies? Did I again? Have you sampled the salt and chili chicken pies yet? Um, no, I haven't actually, because normally I'm a, I'm, I'm like a, I'm a two fifty nine gal. Like I just, I, I, I soak up all the pre-match atmosphere and then just, and then just scoot in. So then, or I've got my nieces with me who are more of a hot or more hot dog kind of people. So, um, so yeah, no, I haven't, but um, it's definitely on my, it's definitely on my radar to, to get involved with. I, I'm talking like away days, I would say, um, well, actually our, the best away day we've had this year was our uh, 4-0 loss to Hearts. We had such a cracking day out. Uh, it was during the summer, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic. But um, I think for for winning or for like a good day out in, in general, unfortunately, um, it was Morton our four one win. Um, but we also it was such a sunny day on the out on the terrace, and I've never I've never been warm at Capelo before. Uh, short sleeves and everything. It was it was great, and um, but and also I made a really good. It was a great performance, but I think I'd said that Capel wasn't one of my favourite grounds, but um, I actually, I, I really enjoyed it. And the banter between the fans there is, is quite something. Like, you don't get that everywhere, and um, and I and I really enjoyed it. And the the facilities as well were, were really impressive. I think there was hot water in the girls' bathroom. The, the, the facilities <laughs> at Capel were really impressive. Well, when you expect nothing, you're, you can be impressed. Wow. So yeah. he's almost going to Global warming in Greenock. <laughs> I've been in for 25 years and I don't think I ever wore short sleeves. So you're going to say you had running water? I thought that's what you were going to say. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky, you're lucky you got on the terrace, though, Heather. We've never been on the terrace in the capital for absolutely years. So we keep getting stuck in the main stand. So you did well there. 
Oh really? Oh we've oh. We, we've been. I we... think it depends on the size of the support. To be fair, you, you were going to say that, right? We'll try and bring more folk, right? And hopefully, yeah, definitely, because it's it, it changes. <laughs> being stuck in the cow shed is rubbish. Yeah. I've, we've had it before, and especially maybe when we when we played like a a nighttime game. But um, no, it definitely though my um my niece absolutely loves Capital. It's like her favorite. I think it's one that you can like you know jump around in your puddle suit and just uh and just and and enjoy the freedom so yeah i think we changed the cow shed the capelo when it used to be the away fans had half of the cow shed and we had half of the cow shed and it was just a fence in between yeah they were good days atmosphere in the cow shed days yeah i remember them but yeah we've always been in the main stand for as long as i can mind Anyone else had a good away day so far this season? I've had a United, which I would never have noted down. Normally, it, it, that's not a ground I ever, A, want to go to, and B, ever get a good result in. But it was actually really great. Rovers played really well that day against, which always helps. And it's a good, good two-hour drive back up the road with a smile. So that was a good away day for a change. Is it? Is the stadium changed with all the work they're doing? Because I've always liked yeah. Somerset because it's kind of like a snapshot of a particular time of old Scottish stadiums. So I've always liked going to Somerset purely because it's just one of those stadiums that, but like Albion Rovers don't really make them anymore. Um, but then I saw they were doing all these works and I was like, ah, oh, is it not going to be the same when I go? But um, so, so they only had the, the main stand and then behind right. the, the home end goals, they didn't have the right. way end goals. Ah, right, so no way. Ah, well, you okay. couldn't get in the terracing at all that day. So that was a new yeah, like the terracing, yeah. So I was in the main stand. First time I've been in the main stand at Somerset and there's, you're right next to the home fans. Um, and there was only about 350 or so. I think maybe it went down that day. Right. It was it was quite quite a good experience. I don't know what that's eventually going to look like across the, the terrace area opposite the main stand. I don't know what exactly was planned, but it was mid-construction when we were there. So, yeah. They're not changing like the usual place, are they? Like the bit where you normally are behind the goal. They're not changing well, that. That, that was that, I don't know that that was closed when we were there. So I don't know what their future plans wow. are. Well, we were gutted because when we arrived, the um, because it was a cinch Friday, um, the pie stall on the far side of the away end was closed because that was next to where like Leanne Crichton and all that were. All right. So we were gutted that you could because like I think last time we were there it was still open and you could kind of get on on you know you could get on the TV slash you could shout something and be heard so we were so they probably so you ruined it for everybody they, then, probably learned from the, they probably learned from mistakes but it was quite it was always quite enjoyable what yourself Katie anything any adventures away this year I've, um, yeah. I've not managed many league away games I think I've been to two three um, no, two, because I didn't make the Morton game. I was working that day. And uh, unfortunately, my two league games that I've been to were Dunfermline away and Dundee United. And I'm going to have to say I've got to pick Dunfermline over Dundee United, seeing as how I got a parking ticket that day. Outside, I was um, parked just up the road for the stadium. And uh, I believe there's been quite a few pundits caught with the same thing. They don't put the cones out anymore. So now there's like... Um, there's signs or something and the entrance to the zone that's tickets now that if you park in that zone unless you're a resident you get you get a ticket so I come back from a holiday because obviously somebody must have taken the ticket off my car so I come back from a holiday yesterday to a nice parking ticket fine just don't pay it well I was thinking that but then I thought you know 
I lined up getting charged with it or something like that. So I was like, oh, just phoned up and paid it a day. It's because you were all complaining about Tanadice being 25 quid ahead last time that we just thought, well, do you know what? We'll slap a parking ticket on top and just best, really go out. The best <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I, got ticket I, got, um, I got tickets for huts. So I was like, oh, this is great. Cheap day out and then get hit with a £100 parking thing. Hundred quid. That's yeah, steep. Because because somebody's taken the ticket off the window. Obviously, I didn't know about it, so I, that would have been what was that? That was a good few weeks ago. So yeah, start of September. Yeah, so obviously they've just thought, oh, she's not paid that ticket. But I never got one. It was only when I came home yesterday morning and I had a letter from Dundee City Council to say, oh, you've not paid this fine. It's now a hundred pound. If you don't pay it within the next two weeks, it's a hundred and fifty. Oh, you definitely shouldn't have paid it if you didn't know about it. No idea. Still right, okay. Let's have a bit of fun. See, we were talking earlier about salt and chili chicken pies. If you were to create your own pie for Scottish football, what would it be, Adam? Not to put you on the spot here, but <laughs> oh, I've got the short straw here. Uh, what pie would I create? So many good ones out there at the moment. Um, I think, it, I mean, they probably already exist, but I do think a, a, a very good. A chicken tikka masala pie, I think, is is something that I would I would definitely go for. Probably already probably already exists, but I'm I'm quite traditional with my pies, so but I would definitely have a chicken tikka masala pie. Uh, there was a wee bulky pie the other week, but I'll bit, but I never had it and I regret it. It sold out pretty quickly. Um, Katie, if you were to get oh, yeah. a pie at the football, what would it be? Um, um, you're asking the wrong person. I don't even eat pies. Oh, well. I'm an athlete, you know. Um, uh, you were, you were but, having kebabs on holiday. The kebabs well, I had kebabs on holiday, but that was because I was on holiday. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's probably, again, it probably exists, but I, if I do eat a pie, it tends to be a kind of macaroni pie, so like macaroni and chorizo or something like that. Oof, that'd know. be all right. That'd be good, right? Ali, you're liking the sound of that? That would, that'd, be, that'd be quite tasty, actually. I... I think I'd go something like a, a black pudding pie or something like that. My son loves black pudding, so that would be another thing just to get him to come along with the games, <laughs> keep him happy. <laughs> and I, if I took one, I'd probably need some for the heartburn, so I'd probably need some Rennies along with it, something like that. Black pudding pie? <laughs> on a similar vein to Ali's, probably haggis black pudding with a wee whiskey sauce in it. Oof. Ooh. I miss what I knew. I've not had any dinner, guys. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like pies, you said. I know, but I'm starving. <laughs> well, I would maybe go for like a peri-peri chicken pie or something like that. But again, that probably sounds like something that would be there. But also, I would love to see some sort of, like I've just been in Prague. And we just had a, and I'd had a chimney cake for the first time. And I don't know if you've had one before. They're absolutely, oh, Google them, absolutely unreal. So I think that maybe if you're not so much of like a kind of savory person, a kind of sweet thing. So some sort of like Nutella, you know, some like some sort of like a kind of sweet pie. I, I And I also think if anyone's going to do it, I think that thistle could be, could be, the, could be the ones to start it. But definitely Google a chimney cake because they're unreal. Like something like a venison pie or a, <laughs> a pheasant pie, it's so surely. Well, one like... Lambie loves his pigeons, so maybe more likely a pigeon pie. <laughs> or like a fine dining pie, could be like deconstructed and all that type of thing. And a uh, knife and fork job. 
Uh, Andy? See, there have been a few good suggestions. I, the, the clubs have definitely upped their pie game. When I used to first go, it just used to be, you know, mince, maybe steak if you're lucky. I don't know, maybe like, a, there's no one's really gone for a kind of seafood pie at the moment type thing. I went to the Scotland Cricket earlier in the year and they had like paella, so if you could get some kind of prawns and kind of stuff like that in a pie, I think that'd be quite, and like, you know, fish, that'd be quite good. Oh, I Mix it up. Fish and chips. Imagine the smell in the, the concrete. I'd be pretty, you're a good alley. I've no, I've no thought this Imagine that. Seagulls think, everywhere. I think a pie got launched at Lewis Vaughan when he scored the opener against us every week. But if, 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 yeah, exactly. I mean, that wouldn't be good at our broke. There'd be seagulls all over the pitch. There's fish pies all, you know, chucked out. So. Okay. Maybe a quick one tonight. That might be it. Wrapped up. Unless there's anything else you guys want to discuss. I was actually wondering, just since I'm on, I, I was on um, I was on off the ball a few weeks ago talking about her game too. Would it be okay just to have a wee chat, like just to talk about that a tiny bit? I actually had um, it written down, but I wasn't sure whether to mention it tonight or mention it in future. But yeah, I go for it. Yeah, no, I, well, thank you. Um, reason, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, I am the her game two ambassador of Party Thistle, and we started our partnership back in March. And um, it's been a fantastic, a, a fantastic thing that we've that we've started. There's been we've seen a, a big increase. I know we were talking earlier about there being increase in general of Rafe Rovers fans and things and get driving more people. And we've seen a really big increase in um in girls coming to the football in a kind of not just like young. Well, we, we were focusing at some points at young girls, but also um, girls, women, ladies, and just encouraging that sort of atmosphere. Um, and it's been it's been a really positive thing to be part of. And um our it's not just for women in the sense of her game two is something that our whole club is getting involved in and making sure that it's um not it's you know something everyone can support. And um We've also never lost a her game two fixture. Sorry about that. So we uh, we won three 0 against St Fermlin and three 0 against Rafe Rovers every um, we've had every time we've had one. But um, it's just been really good off the park, really supportive, and it's just a way to ensure that your female fans feel um, heard and included. And it's not supposed to be some sort of negative thing. It's just more some you know growing up going to the football as the minority as a minority is just it's just trying to make sure that they're part of the conversation and it's been something that's been uh, great we are really hoping that I mean in England 50 I think it's 53 teams have got her game to partnership and currently there's only one in Scotland and it's Thistle so I think we're just really hoping that we can it's not just to be like a, oh look at us like that's not what it is at all but instead really make this something that's open to other clubs and just how easy it is. And also if you don't want to do it the same way that we do, that's fine. And uh, But yeah, so it's just been something that I'm really keen now to get involved with with other clubs and show them how they can do it. So if there's anyone interested or got contacts or want to, you know, have conversations and things, um, myself and um, my friend Kirsten, who's also a hard game to advocate, we are happy to help in any way, but also like have conversations with people who, Want to know more about it and what it involves? So what have you, what have you found to be the main benefit so far? Like, what have you heard in terms of feedback from people? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, um, we had our hurricane two weekend of a few weekends ago against Dunfermline, and we got the the one of the biggest things that I had, uh, which you know, almost it kind of makes it a little bit emotional to be honest. So many dads came up to me and just said like. 
there's never been anything for our daughters before and um and it's not and like I've grown up in a football family my first game I was three months old and I've gone ever since but there was and I managed to do that and I didn't really notice it was never something for me specifically I just happily was going along and being one of the boys but we found that there's just a, a with our her game two partnership there's such a nat, a more natural place for little girls to see themselves as important and part of this football club so firstly I would say the reaction from parents but also from from a uh, from young children we also got some lovely messages from girls who were maybe like 15, 16, just saying like they've never like um that they've that through the Her Game 2 partnership, they have met other female f- fans who they hadn't really seen before. And they've kind of got to know each other, like follow each other on Instagram, become friends, and it's made circles of friendships that didn't exist before in our support it's so easy to see that big clump of boys but you don't always see and I'm sure many of you will see that like you don't always see a big clump of girls and it's just maybe natural because it's not been a sport they've grown up with but we've seen a massive increase in groups of female fans clubbing together doing things and and that's been great but also just for me the interlink between our women's team and our men's team as well that's been a massive benefit too um our women have just announced that they're playing their first game at Fur Hill uh, next week so that's really exciting but I think the biggest benefit for me has just been the connection between the fans has never been stronger and I think people have never felt more heard at our club how the rest of you can I see your grounds in terms of the kind of females that are going is a decent amount would you say or is it still needs improved on I'd say it's improved at Starts Park. I mean, it's still disproportionate. You know, it's still heavily male-orientated. But there has been a growth in females. A lot of a lot of mums coming with kids, not just dads coming with kids these days. So that's been a big change. We've got a, a female supporters director, so I'm, it's the kind of thing that she would probably be interested in, Heather, I'm sure, at Starts Park. I mean, certainly fits within the, the ethos that we are currently trying to grow our support again and revitalise ourselves within the community. So it sort of fits in nicely with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we actually had a conversation with them at our... They, Rafe Rovers was our first Her Game 2 fixture and all the fans that we met from the Rafe Rovers side who were in the Aiken suite were so engaged and excited about it for us. So yeah, it's definitely something that I want to reach the Olive Branch out to clubs, but equally I kind of need clubs to also want to do it too. Yeah, I mean, we do it International Women's Day annually, but it's a one-off, obviously. But there's a lot of work goes into it. But yeah, something a bit more sustainable and regular, like what you're doing, I'm sure fits nicely with what they're trying to do at Stars Park. Mike, I've got a hostel where like, fam- like all your all the teams do family tickets, because obviously football's pretty expensive to go to nowadays. Hmm. Like, is there like the options at grounds for these family tickets? Like, Yeah, I, I, I see that a lot with Dunfermline. There are a lot more family groups coming mums, mums, dads, sons, daughters. And I think that's that's definitely where I'm seeing the, the, the increase in in, uh, in 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 women attending uh, the match. But it certainly changed from the nineties at East End Park to where it's now it's night it's night and day. And I think there's a lot more um being done. The stand that I set in is probably not the stand that I wouldn't class the the Northwest stand as a as a family stand anyway. So it's probably more in the Norrie McCarthy stand, which you would see more of the family groupings there. But they also have 
done quite an interesting thing at Dunfermline where they've they have a massive concourse behind it, Norrie McCarthy's done. It's all been done into a fan zone. Um, and it's all got you can play many five aside football. There's uh PlayStations and stuff the kids can play. And then any players that are injured will go down there for an hour before the game and sign autographs with 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 the kids. Um, and the women's team is starting to play a lot more at East End Park as well, um, which I think is a is is a positive. Um, but I think there's a lot more that 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 could be done, and it's it's interesting. I I go with um people that sit around me at, at, at East End. They always we go away the way games and stuff, and 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 the women's thing is one thing that really always that stands out. It's maybe different from men is the the facilities, and you mentioned that earlier, Heather, about Capital having hot water. It's amazing how many of them don't, and they'll always comment to me when we're like we're all congregating outside before we go find their seats. Going how bad some of the toilets are. And I know that's like a like for men. I think they don't really think about it, but actually for women, that's a that's actually a it, it's a big thing. And there's like things you can do like that, and just making your facilities decent, which just makes people feel a little bit more welcome. And I I notice that feedback more than than maybe when 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 you're just with with men who are maybe not. Not not too fussed about and have probably advantages in that in that respect. So it's it's like little things like that that I think clubs could do a lot better on uh, across all the stadiums, both at a top level and 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 at lower league level as well. Totally easy wins as well when you think about Adam. Simple simple yeah. things they can do just to make it more accommodating. At East End they didn't have hot water. I mean, just like well, what what you did. Same. You know, Same and then eventually they got it out because there's so many complaints. But you just think it's those things when you're not. If you haven't experienced it yourself, you don't quite understand the impact it can have on on people. And I think that's what what Heather's doing, and 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 I think that's a really it's a really good cause to have because actually sometimes you just need it to be drawn out and presented to you front and center that these are the challenges. And actually, sometimes it's just really simple things that can yeah, well, be that can be done. To absolutely. Change it. Well, one of the reasons why I actually mentioned Morton's facilities was because they're the only ground apart from ours through our Her Game 2 thing that have sanitary products in the toilet. And um, and I just think that's that's one of the reasons why I mentioned them because I was quite impressed by Morton for having that because obviously people do naturally slate their, like, I'm sorry, naturally slate Capolo in general. So I was like, well, no, like, claps to them they have it and that was something that we that we really fought to introduce quite quickly not fought that sounds like they were saying no but you know pointed out that it would just be quite a natural way just to make people feel supported and looked after I would have thought that would have just been a stand-up thing nowadays because obviously all the talk was like the schools having them and stuff like that and there was a lot of focus on that a couple of years back as well so I would have thought at the football it would have been stand-up um, Katie, what's your experiences at Airdrie? What would you say? A good level of female there, there is definitely a lot more women um coming to the football. A lot of younger, like my daughter's in the last probably well, she started going maybe about four or five seasons ago, but in the last two or three seasons she's really got into it. Um she's now she's thirteen next month, but they are getting a kind of lot of younger girls coming along, which I think if you're if you're going to include them and do the whole hard game two thing might be a, an idea. I'm um, on the fans supporters liaison group, so I'll have a wee word with the guys, see if that's something that we can get on to you about, Heather. But um I I think I think it's just they're still obviously it's very male orientated, but um we just need to see how it goes and like 
just try and get as many girls involved as possible. I think there'll probably be a stigma previously whereby I don't know whether like dad would feel that they want to take their daughters to football. I don't know if any of you guys or girls have got daughters that that's been the case where like maybe certain games that you would I, just be like, I know no, I'm not taking them because we um played Celtic up a few seasons ago and like I, I took my son and it was I don't it was it was quite it was really really dodgy but I could never have taken Molly to it I was like no way because the language and stuff like that and they hear it at Airdrie games anyway but you just don't want to subject your your 10 year old daughter to just bail but um no it's definitely and I think there is also that like I, I don't know what you felt Heather but when I a few years ago younger when I was younger it was always do you really know the offside rule and uh, do you just go at the football because you fancy the players and I'm like no I actually go to the football because I like the football but that, that kind of stigma has gone now. The girls do know the offside rule. Even my 12-year-old knows the offside rule. No, abs- I absolutely feel you there. Like, I think there's been a real a real shift in opinion. Yeah. We've even found some of the songs that some of our fans used to sing. Have If when they st- if anyone kind of starts it, quite a lot of people kind of look over and are like, you know, either start out singing it with something else or fully call it out and I think that's great um, and um, but just I, I totally I, as a daughter my dad um, from quite I, from a very young age I've been going home and away with Thistle like my whole life but um, I wasn't allowed to go to Ibrox and Celtic Park until maybe I was about eight or nine I think was kind of the rule but then um I, I remember my dad always remembers the the day where we played we, we we played uh, Rangers in a cup game on a school night and I was in primary seven and I had to present a, like a kind of 10 minute presentation to my mum about why I should be allowed to go and things like that. But I think it was one of those, it is one of those things where I totally understand why you wouldn't, I think because this were so low down in the leagues and going to different places, it was a bit easier to just, for my, for my dad, to allow me to go to all these games because it normally wasn't that raucous of an atmosphere. But I would say that in general, that there has been a shift in opinion of like why females are at football. And I think, you know, that kind of idea that um that we're there just to kind of to follow some boys or whatever is just is going. And I really hope and I think that with having some very vocal female fans at, at a lot of clubs, but also through um through her game too in England um that people are seeing and kind of going no these people know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean I've got a four year old daughter and I nearly took her to the Spartans League Cup game and thank goodness it didn't. That was going to be our first game because she probably would hope it wasn't her game as well. Given that we got uh, put out by Spartans, that wouldn't have been a good start for her. But um no, as as a dad, you just see the kind of like even Dundee United putting out their kit this uh, season. It was with the male and the female players advertising it. There's a lot of kind of joint advertising of the teams, and you see some of the older fans maybe saying stuff. But there's no way it's going to cannibalize the kind of market. It's going to expand the market. It's a no brainer. You're going to potentially increase, you know, the size of your support, your customer base by getting more females in, and vice versa, men to go and watch the, the female team. Because I think my l- little girls watching the Rugby World Cup might well I'd like to watch. The girls playing rugby so you know I would love to take her along and obviously there's been a big growth in the women's game in general in terms of crowds in terms of exposure which can only be a, a good thing and I think as Adam was saying as well it's been great in general kind of post-covid I wondered would folk get out the habit of going but you know not just kind of 
demographic of gender, but you look 6,800 at Rafe, 5,000 for Dunfermline at the weekend, 5,100 for Thistle United at the weekend ever. Crowds are up across the country post-COVID, so um, I think it's been a great chance potentially for clubs to reset the way they do it, and if you can get activities outside, like Adam said, and make it more of a day out. Clubs were lazy historically. It was, you pitch up at quarter to three, you do your thing, and it's the same thing all the time, but they're now a bit more inventive, and if you can expand that to getting girls in, as Ali said, the demographic changing from older fans to younger fans, boys and girls, that's, that's, it's a no-brainer for the clubs. It, it it will make them survive longer term if they've got more female customers. Well, I, I mean, not, not, to be Rangers, not to be Rangers about it, but we had a face painter and we did glitter tattoos like on our Her Game 2 day. And oh my goodness, like the... My wee girl would love that. From it. Yeah. I, I would love that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well with the women's the women's national team, I mean, I know the Scottish men's team has gone on a little renaissance, but but for a long time, the women's team was head and shoulders above the men's team. And actually, I'd even argue now, technically, the the leading players in the women's team are still technically better than some of the men players. You know, like Caroline Weir, I think, is a world-class player. And she's played at Real Madrid, playing at the top of the game. And I think there's a real... And that's what kind of annoyed me when they didn't when they didn't qualify for the World Cup. And I thought the manager should have lost his job at that point because we lost a real opportunity to take the women's team to, to a major national tournament, which could have really galvanised, I think, support, not just for the women's national team, but also the, the women's club leagues um, in, in, in Scotland. Because I think the, the standard of football there is, is very, very good. And I think the the clubs could be more joined up in the way that they that they approach that and try and cross-sell that. The Felon aren't good at it. I think uh, we're doing better. The women's team is becoming more and more integrated within the club, but there's a lot more that that, that they can do. I always, I've always thought that the idea of having... A, you buy a joint season ticket, so you buy a season ticket for the club. You don't buy it for the men's or the women's team. There is one price, and that gains you access to both men's games and women and, and and the women's game, whichever league that that they're playing in, and almost just make it as accessible as possible for people. And I think clubs miss that opportunity to to, to cross sell because I don't think there's anything better. If you've got, I'd be really interested to see if one of our teams had a had a women's team that was doing incredibly well at the top of the uh, of their respective leagues and how that might trigger a fan base to get really behind uh, behind their uh, behind their team. And I think. There's, there's a lot, some really positive things, but I think we could do a lot more to to, to really shout about the, the the women's game more generally, but also then how do we, how do we make football more accessible across the piece? I think clubs are doing it well with the with the under twelves and and free tickets and and family season tickets, and that actively encourages a, a more diverse fan base coming through the through the gates, and I, and I think Scotland can do more and more of that. And that could really lay, lay a solid foundation for for continuing growing numbers uh, uh, going to see live football in Scotland because the Scottish football is not a TV product it's a it's an in stadium product and the more people we can get the more bums on seats we can get it's the better for everybody in the long run. Uh, the one thing I think that is a hindrance though is the amount of times that the men's and women's teams are playing at the same time and it's like a, you're having to choose. Um, that doesn't help there's a, there's a lot of things that you can help but I guess it comes down to scheduling TV scheduling different things like that as well um, Robert what's the situation like at Morton would you say? So there's definitely been an increase in the number of female fans um, and kind of some of our most vocal fans on social media are, are female fans um, which is great to see and, and, and like 
Katie and Heather said that they are knowledgeable. It's not about just going to watch, no, can I look at the men's thighs and all that kind of stuff, which is what was kind of thrown at women years ago. Um, we could do more. And I think as a community-owned club, we should be doing more. Um, and I stand with one of the directors in Sinclair Street and at the next game I'm at, I'm, I'm going to mention to him um, the initiative that Heather's kind of talking about and, and see if we can maybe push that on as well. Because um, behind the goal in Sinclair Street, there's always kind of the, the 12-year-old boys who've managed to persuade somebody to let let them come in with them and stuff. But you never see like wee groups of girls. Um, and and again, as a community-owned club, like uh, Adam was saying, it's a no-brainer. Or was it Andy? I can't remember. One, one or two. So it's a no-brainer for growing your, your fan base and, and moving forward as a business. It, it just makes sense. Yes. Conversation like this has real help because there's already like two people saying, I'll speak to someone at my club and see what maybe can be done. So, the more conversations that are hard, the more exposure, the better it'll be for all. Um, so, I good that you did bring that up, Heather. Got a nice wee half hour chat there. So, um, that's probably us then for the night. Um, I wish you your teams all the best for the next few weeks, and then we'll probably do one about them uh, midway point. We'll get a date sorted in the diary, get something sorted, um, and we can all just laugh at like our bros and Aaron and Mardes and uh, the teams that aren't here. Team fair enough. Sounds good to me. Sounds good Thank to you. me. Thank you so much. Right. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Right. Thanks. Happy football. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks.